Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Basil Alwyn. I'm the CEO of Tirana and the guest today. Basil, been a long time. How are you? Yeah, it's been a while, Phil. Good to see you again and hear hear you. Yeah, good. I'm um, good. Thank you. Good to see you as well. And uh, yeah, and Toronto's doing uh, uh, quite well uh, from from what we understand. So excited to talk about the company. Um, for those of you, uh, let's see, in our audience, um, so we it's great. We can kind of pick up at a specific point. So I, uh, Basil, I want to tell. I wanted to ask you first about. Um, you know your journey with the company so far, sort of how you how how you got to the company, what what led you there, and 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 so on. For for everyone who needs to catch up to that point, um, we've pretty much documented Basil's adult life on Light Reading and our archive. If you go back, <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> you can pretty much find uh, you know the the high points of his career. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, before a couple of years ago. Uh, on on light readings uh, pages here and there, uh, you know, covering uh, uh, Timetra and the the move to Alcatel Lucent and then Nokia and then running Nokia's uh, IP and optical business. So we'll just blow right on by that and get right to uh, the the recent uh, past. Um, so how did how yeah how did you how did you end up uh, uh, at your company now and what what, uh, uh, what what was sort of the origin story there? Yeah, it's it's actually a really interesting story because uh, uh, Toronto has been around for it's quite a uh, long company, mm-hmm. a long run that this company has had uh, building this technology. And a couple of years back, um, while I was still at Nokia, actually, I got a call from Greg Weiler, who you, you may know, uh, a satellite uh, guy that yeah. we had helped at OneWeb a bit. So I got to know him, and he said, "Hey, you got to meet these guys at uh, Toronto. They're doing something really remarkable." And of course, if I had a dime for every time I heard that story, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, but, but, uh, you know, Greg's a pretty credible guy. And so I figured, okay, let's meet, let me meet with these guys. And they came over and they began to describe what they do, which is non-line of sight, license or unlicensed, really high bandwidth, uh, internet service for homes. And I was, of course, you know, that's always been the Holy grail. Can you, can you actually deliver, you know, not a little bit of bandwidth, but hundreds of megabits of, of capacity to homes, non-line of sight wireless. Right. That's, that's a really tough problem. Right. So, of course, uh, I, I took a few meetings and, and I finally uh, decided I, I needed to see it in action. So I, I asked the guys to demo it for me. And they had actually just recently fi- finished uh, a demo test network uh, on a prototype product they had built out of FPGA. So the first prototype product was not quite full bandwidth, but it was real, still a really capable product. And I said, why don't you, I actually live in Los Gatos. And believe uh-huh. it or not, the digital divide affects us guys and us people in Los Gatos as well, because I live in the hills. Uh, there's no cable. There's no fiber. Yeah, uh, it's not dense enough to run cable or fiber. I have seven meg DSL, and the best I could get up there, and the, and the most as far as I know, this land had ever seen was, you know, twenty thirty megabits per second with a more or less line of sight Wi-Fi technology link, you know, right. connected to the valley. So they came up on a weekend, put a tripod in my front yard, pointed it to a tower, uh, actually a building in downtown San Jose that was fourteen kilometers as crow flies. And I got 170 megahertz per second. Wow. And, and right. So, exactly. In, four, in 40 megahertz of spectrum. Now, this was line of sight at 14 kilometers. Right. But, you know, that's still remarkable. So they had a lot of credibility when I started to see the, the technology. And so I went through a series of discussions uh, at Nokia about, you know, uh, you know the, what we wanted to do as, as Nokia. At the time, I was running the IP optical division. So I was working with my 
my brethren that were running wireless. Yeah. And in the end, I, I, uh, uh, we agreed not, not to invest at the time, but I, I decided to get involved with the company as, uh, as an investor initially, mm -hmm. and then as a board member. So when I finally, uh, left Nokia, um, uh, the company had finished the product more or less, mm -hmm. and it was looking very good. And I decided to help out for a while. And uh, the rest is history. Here I am. Yeah. yeah you just keep getting, uh, uh, they just give you more and more to do. And then eventually you realize you're, you're like, wait a minute, yeah, uh, I'm here look, on the weekend. I, <laughs> exactly. You, you nailed it. Phil. You exactly nailed it. Is that what just happened? Wait a minute. Yeah. Hey, what's, on my, what's out of my card? What, yeah. what happened here? <laughs> wait, why did I just get invited to the sales meeting? Uh, yeah. Happen? You don't know how true um, that is, but, but it's, but it's a great, it's a great team and a, and a great uh, company. Well, what, uh, so the, but the, the company, the, the technology is super intriguing. So this has actually been it, in some previous iteration had, had been, uh, or at least for a very short time would had even been, uh, used to address the small cell market. Is that correct? Correct. Actually, the company started, uh, with the intention of, of doing small cell backhaul and built a system called AA2, okay. which stood for absolute air. And actually it was a very remarkable system and, and it was a interesting uh, product. It was a little pricey because uh, again, it was made, you know, the, the, at the foundation of this, uh, the innovation at Toronto is about the air interface. It's a very different air interface mm -hmm. than either mobile in you know, 3GPP or Wi-Fi. Hmm. And you don't see that very often. I mean, that's, that's a lot of hard work to rethink the actual air interface, the algorithms, uh, you know, the, uh, the beam formers, how, how you, you know, how you use the system. So, Toronto had done a ton of innovation on that to get this kind of non-line-of-sight characteristics and the ability to run it unlicensed. And the first market they were focused on was, in fact, small cell backhaul, which didn't actually end up being as big a market as people thought. Mm -hmm. right? but, and, and, and that actually ended up being the genesis of, hey, let's take this great air interface yeah. and let's, let's build a fixed wireless system. Now, to build a fixed wireless system uh, takes a lot, it takes a lot of layered more you know, technology on top of their interface. You have to have a scheduler. You have to have a base node. You have to have, you have to invest in ASICs because you have to have a very low cost point for the home. So that it's not a small step from a really innovative air interface to a fixed wireless system, right. which is what we're shipping now in Gigabit One. So the product okay. now is Gigabit One. It's called, or G1. It started shipping in Q2 of last year uh, after a quite long decade kind of uh, investment of time. Well, the, the, the initial use case, at least, you know, you see that same characteristic, though, high bandwidth, uh, non-line of sight or, or, or better than line of sight, you know, in terms of, uh, of deployability. And then, like you said, yeah, the small cell market just wasn't what we thought it was going to be or it's going to it's going to take a lot longer for that to hit, you know, o over time. But but uh, but yeah, fixed wireless is a is seems to be a, a massive market and, um, is, and, and also, as you've pointed out, uh, fraught with danger, you know, in terms of, yeah, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bodies along that road. Yeah. That's right. There's oh, a lot no. of, a lot of, a lot, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of companies have, have tried very hard here because it really is so compelling. Yeah. If you think about it, the challenge we have right now in broadband is that, you know, fiber is great. And, uh, you know, where you can drive, when you can run it economically, it's, it's a great solution. But it, it, the economics of fiber are very, very tough, mm -hmm. hence government funding and all kinds of things like that. And wireless uh, line of sight actually works pretty well. Um, but line of sight is a tough issue because, um, you know, we have, you know, the math we have, which is probably pretty right, is, you know, in the U.S., 
this is also a global issue, obviously, but in the U.S., you know, 80 to 90 percent of homes are not line of sight from any particular cell tower. Mm. Uh, you know, line of sight means really unobstructed. So you're forced, if you have line of sight technology like millimeter wave or something like that, to bring the towers or the, the, the base node close to the subscriber, which is hugely expensive. You know, the more towers you have, the more expensive it is. You're trenching more, you're providing more power, more backhaul, more backups, all that stuff. So, you know, that's, it, there's this kind of situation right now shaping up in the U.S., but again, it's a very much a global thing mm -hmm. where, you know, there's not a good solution for that big market yeah. that's still on DSL. You know, there's still about 17 million homes on DSL in the U.S. alone. Hmm. Uh, it's, 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 people don't really fully appreciate that. So, and there's a lot of areas of cable that aren't as yet upgraded properly. So the uplink's kind of tough. So there's a lot of opportunities. Obviously, access, there's not one answer to access. It's a multitude, satellite for the very remote, fiber for the very dense, right. you know, and this is, but we think this is going to hit a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. well, we actually not only think it, it's, it's actually hitting a sweet spot at this point because we're shipping it. Okay. Kelsey, do you have any uh, any questions or you want me to keep going? Because I, I, I know contractually I have that, that big thing I had to sign about how many questions you get per episode. Was <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was curious to hear um, a little bit about, um, you know, what, um, I guess, regions or um, kind of what examples of where this technology is best deployed. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned kind of um, your own home being a little bit isolated, but where are you um, most focused on the digital divide? Yeah. So the company, by the way, the company founders were really focused literally on uh, the, the problem of the digital divide. They actually have a real mission uh, and the company has a bit of a mission there. Uh, it's, it's, it's really neat. Um, and actually, some of the initial deployments were in, are in Africa, uh, in South Africa mm -hmm. specifically, where we're, one of our biggest deployments is with, is with MTN in South Africa. Um, but, you know, the, the uh, challenge is different on a per country basis and depending on many factors. Right. Um, uh, spectrum is one of the one of the things we always look at. Um, ARPUs is, is important, you know, how much can, you know, so this, the nice thing about this technology is it allows a lower cost entry point for an operator. So an operator can come into a location that maybe they can't get to with other technologies and deploy this as, a, as you know, to a home past is a metric that you often hear, which is the cost it takes for a provider to say to a home, Hey, I can offer you service. I have the facilities in place, home pass. The cost for home pass is trivial in this because, you know, in this case, you're putting up a uh, a base node, you know, about the size of a small suitcase and like a cell, it's a cellular architecture. So that's going to cover, you know, two to five kilometer radius mm -hmm. on a sector. So you imagine the, co the cost for home pass is trivially low. So to, to answer your question, um, it, it's really um, uh, a global uh, opportunity. And we're seeing that now. We started in Africa and the U.S., but actually, we now have um, engagements in the UK, uh, as you can see from our, our website. We have some some nice engagements there in Mexico and Latin America, in the Philippines, and you know, in in in, in, in Australia. So we have quite a bit of interest uh, from a lot of the developed economies and some of the developing economies. Yeah, because if you're you, you take out that extra, um, it's that extra statistic makes such a big difference. It's like not just being within so far of you know of of a fiber drop or some some point of connectivity, but not needing to be exactly line of sight suddenly like opens up uh, makes a huge yeah difference. a huge huge difference in the total addressable market. So because the the TAM is 
really large in this case. I, you know, we, we saw recently that the investment was large and obviously people were making big bets on this. So what's, what's the funding scenario for, uh, for the company to date? Yeah, so we just had a great, uh, a, a, a great first year of shipping the product. It wasn't even first year; it was a couple of quarters because we ended up starting Q two was a pretty small quarter, mm-hmm. and we grew uh, nicely Q three, Q four, and and Q one. We're on a very, we're kind of on a very strong trajectory with the product right now. So that uh, uh, we really stepped out of venture capital and into growth capital uh, in this last funding. The last funding, uh, the product is validated, the demand is there. Uh, we feel comfortable that we're going to be able to do a hundred million this year. Uh, that's a big number for a startup coming from nowhere. Uh, so, you know, we had, uh, you know, started at zero here in, uh, in Q1. It's just started to ramp. And that, that's come, that, that has, has given some confidence in, in the ability to grow this in, 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 a more, in a more aggressive way. So we just raised $170 million, uh, in, in new capital. And that's going to let us really uh, grow the company, you know, and go after the market that we see. Yeah, you can finally get you some logo T-shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, let's not get crazy. (laughs) (laughs) All the important stuff. Oh, yeah. And and international expansion. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, After the t-shirts. Yeah. Phil really wants a shirt. (laughs) You got it. We actually have a really good shirt that I'll send over to you. Phil thinks small and and very, very, very immediate. Um, But uh, in the other uh, sort of dimension for for a company like yours, you know, with exciting technology, a huge problem to address. And then you've also got, you know, um, some, some wind in your sails, uh, to address it. What's the relationship like with service providers and, and are they your only, um, you know, channel to the market? That's a great question. And of course, service providers are, uh, in the end, yes, that's the channel we have to market, but it's interesting right now. There's a, there's more, uh, the service provider landscape is, 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 is evolving. Um, obviously, the incumbents are all important and have huge footprints, and, and uh, this technology is extremely relevant for them. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of engagements with some of the top tier names that you know, some of which we've named, and some of which are, are not uh, yet public. But there's another couple area, uh, let's I would say, groups that are 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 interesting. Wireless service providers globally, not just in the U.S. but globally, are actually pretty uh, pretty interesting now. And the reason they're pretty there's about 3,500 WISPs in the U.S. alone, by the way. I mean, it's an interesting statistic. I learned. Yeah, got no, I'm, in Toronto. I'm, unfortunately, uh, I'm on most of their press lists. No, no yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of them. But, but actually, there's a, there's, a, there's a group of them that, um, let's say, have the technical acumen, uh, the marketing chops, and have now a lot of government funding or private funding. Right. So, so some of these companies are getting to be pretty serious companies. Mm-hmm. We're talking, you know, hundreds of millions, if not nearly a billion dollars of financing, public, private, that are going after it. But, and, and they're going after it with fiber, and our product is really resonating with that, with that, uh, that market. Uh, in part because, you know, uh, especially with COVID, um, you know, 20 megabits, 10 megabits, or whatever was being offered previously in most rural scenarios is, is starting to look pretty anemic. You know, 100 to 200 is something you really want to get to if you're going to be doing a lot of streaming and stuff like that. Mm. You want a decent uplink. But maybe more importantly for these guys who are ni- nicely funded now, um, they're interested not just in, you know, the rural market that they've served very well. Uh, you know, people had very few options in these. Thankfully, this group of uh, vendors came in and provided internet for, the, for a very gr- uh, important group of people. But also... Um, they want to turn their attention to overbuilding. Hmm. And this, this is the first, let's say, wireless technology that um, makes it 
relatively easy to overbuild an existing, uh, you know, DSL cable or uh, uh, market because it gives high bandwidth. It's relatively low cost to do, and you can actually do a. You can put a. It, it offers really high densities. Mm-hmm. The number of subs you can put on a sector is quite quite right. And it's two hundred fifty six per sector, and that's for in eighty megahertz of spectrum. And you can you know double triple up with spectrum. So you actually have an ability to go in and, 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 and do a good job offering a service in a fairly dense area. Many of our customers have actually written this to us. They said, you know, your, your technology is allowing us to change the way we go at the market. Mm-hmm. It, it, what Nathan Stuke at Whisper said, it flipped the script on my business. Because hmm. I, 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 previously, I really couldn't, uh, you know, really try to overbuild. Because what would happen is if I offered it um, and I got 10 signups going to 30, I'd run out of gas and the interference, the self-interference and the challenges with wireless just, you know, ground his, you know, the opportunity to halt. Right. So with Toronto, you can actually do that. And so there, there's a, so that's the second group, the kind of WISP. The third group actually is some non-traditionals uh, that can be oil and gas, but it also, there's some uh, web scalers that are pretty involved with us. And so we'll see where that goes. So that, okay. that's a, it's a really interesting uh, uh, market opportunity right now. And, and you can imagine this is all coming out of in part. First of all, the well-acknowledged problem that digital divide is real and it needs to be addressed. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, everybody understands it. And second, importantly, not just in the U.S., uh, you know, the government funding is, is, is arriving to help make sure that happens. In the U.K., there's a, project, a program called $5 billion for $5 million, $5 billion pounds to get the, the 5 million remaining people that don't have good broadband. So th- this is not, you know, this is a global, the NBN in Australia, you, you know, yeah. on and on. Yeah, definitely a, a, a global issue, and uh, uh, well, and also the other part of the digital divide too is is will actually require that overbuilding because a lot of what what I've heard from a bunch of municipalities is like they're looking at municipally owned networks simply because the network service providers in their regions simply aren't servicing customers. You know, they just they 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 won't upgrade their plant. They don't want to put any more money into it and whatever. If you overbuild those areas and then really reach those folks with like what you said is like usable upstream and and you know stuff where they can actually do Zoom school or, you know, uh, work remotely and things like that. Then, then that gets to be really interesting as well. So it does have it. It is a multi-dimensional problem. It, it is going to require you know quite, um, you know qu- quite a lot of uh, creative solutions. Um, what what about the technology? I don't know how much detail you want to get into, but what about the technology sort of protects it from these um, from the interference in these in these overbuild type scenarios? I mean, it's a great question because, and I get asked this question uh, most of the time when people hear this. Um, again, they've heard the story before, perhaps. And, you can just and say it, magic, and we, I'd probably believe yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, actually, our customer, one of our customers, at least one, has described it as magic, and they said, "Okay, I, I, I admit it. I, I give it's magic." There's a, there's a couple of really. There's a lot to it uh-huh. um, at its at its base. Obviously, this is not just um, tweaking some parameters, but is really a wholesale change in Using similar tools, of course, the, uh, in the mid-band, you have tools like MIMO and beamforming and array processing. These are all tools that uh, you know, everybody uses, but in a, in, a, in a meaningfully different way and adding some things to it. So <clears throat> at, at its core, I would think of it this way. Um, first of all, making multipath your friend. So basically, multipath in, in the mid-band, when you have a, a, a non-line-of-sight link, you can think of the signal bouncing off of things and finally hitting an antenna at different angles, but, you know, shifted perhaps in time and, 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 you know, changed enough that 
if you get far enough from the emitter, that starts to be destructive, not constructive. Mm -hmm. So a very big part of this is being able to, in a very precise way, listen to each of those reflections, adjust them in the digital domain, digital signal processing, and then add them to make it, to reconstruct more or less the signal, a strong signal, despite the fact you don't have line of sight. So that's a very important part of it. Equally important, by the way, I would say, or, you know, as or maybe more important, is the ability to selectively listen. Um, so to be able to null. So because one of the challenges you have is if you're if you have another emitter that's close by that's near the same spectrum, mm-hmm. um, and we work in unlicensed spectrum where you can't be sure there won't be emitters nearby. Sure, you have to have yeah. the, the ability to turn that off. So you think of that kind of technique is is akin to sitting in a crowded room and wanting to listen to someone all the way across the room and being able to selectively silence everybody near you so you can just hear that voice. Hmm. And that's effectively what's going on in the system. Now, you can imagine to do this is it, you have to have an immense amount of processing and, of course, the story of innovation in, 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 you know, in general, right. which is as silicon marches on, it's now cost effective to do that amount of processing at both ends of the link. Okay. So that's one of the things that Toronto really had to innovate is the is not just the algorithms, but how do you do that in a cost effective way, mm-hmm. both the antenna array, but also the processing. So it's a really quite uh, um, deep company in that regard, with a lot of patents and a lot of you know and, and a lot of sweat, mm-hmm. a lot of sweat and equity gone that has gone into this project. Sure thing, uh, Kelsey. Do you have another a, a follow up, or, or do you want me to ask about the social media stuff? Oh yeah, I was I was going to ask about the, yeah, the social media and um, you know you shared kind of a funny post with us and uh, you know you just talked about oh it must be you know customers like oh it's just it's it's magic and <laughs> having some WTF moments so tell us <laughs> tell us what that <laughs> social yeah media so we had <laughs> we had a really uh, I had sent it prior to that we had uh, uh, one of our customers was out drive testing and one of the things customers do when they first get the gear is they stick it on a truck, drive it around and, and try to see how it behaves in various places. So right. generally they'll put it on the busiest tower they can find so they can, you know, try to see what the limits are of the product. Check out the signal. We admit, yeah. yeah, totally. Actually, we've had a customer here in California that the first thing he did with the products, he put it on the busiest tower that he has in his, in his service. He's a, a WISP called Digital Path. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jim Higgins, he put this on, on, on a busiest tower and he hooked up 10 customers and his house. And, he, and in 45 days after doing that, he was, oh my gosh, this thing actually works. Uh-huh. He actually came down and did a PO that day. And we actually, he met us down here and, and we, we started doing business with him. So that's the kind of stuff people really have. But the, the social media post we were, you're referring to, uh, Kelsey, is that um, we had one guy who was out drive testing and he had our, our antenna sitting on a dumpster of all places and he had pointed in the direction. <laughs> and, and, and he uh, 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 posted uh, on a Facebook forum, he said, um, 400, uh, let's see, I think it was uh, uh, three quarters mile, no, it was more than that. I think it was, it was I forgot how, how long it was to the tower. I forgot, it may have been three quarters mile to the tower, building and tree obstructions, right. uh, 400, 450 megabit per second link, um, five gigahertz. So that's what he's saying is, look, I've got a link here that's, you know, nearly a mile. Yeah. Obstructed, not line of sight. Right. In five gigahertz, unlicensed, and I'm getting 450 megabits per second. So he's really impressed with that. Then at the bottom of the post, he wrote, turn the antenna around 180 degrees, 600 megabits per second, WTF. <laughs> and, and of course, we just, we got this post and we were laughing. We were, we were crying here. So we, we sent it to the entire company yeah. and we have a team, a small team in India as well. And I didn't know if they would know what WTF stands for. I'm not sure if you know what it stands for, oh, but yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Yeah, right. 
Right. So we, we basically, uh, I sent it out and I said, if you don't know what WTF stands for, it stands for how is this even possible? Right. At a, you know, <laughs> a running joke here is that's what it means. So we now have t-shirts that say WTF. We have a, that's a t-shirt <laughs> I'll send you. Okay. okay yeah. Yeah, how it stands it? for wireless technology fundamentals, by the oh, way. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, of course. Well, the, 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 the interesting thing though is that was, first of all, I do, I do, uh, I, I do love, you know, uh, rural ISP guys because they, they're kind of that way with all equipment. Like as soon as they get something new, their first instinct is to break it. Absolutely. It's actually great for us because, you know, you, you can be assured that when we ship the product within a week, it's up and running yeah. and we're getting feedback on it. Yeah. But they, but that, but that's such a real, I mean, you know, what he described is, you know, it is, it is hilarious. The 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 surprise element that it worked but it's like that's really i think that's the that that's the sweet spot for a lot of rural america is like we're they're far enough away but they're also you know there's a hill in the way there's some there's a building there's a you know there's there's something uh obstructing the thing because we've just had such a uh resurgence of interest in fixed wireless access especially as the 5g companies have you know 5g service providers have been touting it um but you know, when you really start talking to them, I mean, and, and it is, it is taking off, there's no doubt about it, but there, but when you really start talking about, um, you, you know, where can it really take you? You know, it's like, you re you really have to, uh, uh, you have to temper your enthusiasm a little bit <laughs> in terms of, uh, of that because be, simply because of the line of sight, you know, like it just becomes a, a deal killer in so many, uh, in so many instances. One, one of the things that's kind of interesting, uh, what really got me excited about the company when I first saw it is, is that this is not, um, this is the first, this system was not built for mobile and it was not built for Wi-Fi and it was not built on those foundations. It was built specifically for the fixed wireless. So for that reason, it actually performs, you know, inc incredibly well. And I'm, I'm convinced, you know, I know, of course, the roadmap of the company at this point. And, um, you know, it's, we're delivering hundreds of megabits, you know, four or 500 megabit per second services non-line of sight. And that's, you know, on our website, you can see all the details. It's interesting. But we also have an ability with the same technology to do gigabit and do it pretty broadly. I mean, you know, in, in a similar kind of... Stuff. And so the, the the more exciting thing about this is not only G1, which is the first instantiation of what we're calling next-gen fixed wireless access. We, we've co coined the name NGFWA to kind of denote we kind of put a small definition together. It really a, a system that's focused on fixed wireless, not focused right. on, you know, the, the, the other issues, which are, of course, equally, they're huge markets. So right. nothing wrong with doing a great job on mobile. But this is really focused on that. So NGFWA products are going to go gig and beyond. So this is not a, a stopgap to fiber. Right. This is a long-term solution to home broadband. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the, uh, yeah, let's, let's leave it there. Cause we can talk about, let's quickly recap what the, uh, what the product is that's out in the market now who, and, and which service providers have it or where it's available. And then, uh, and then we can, we can kind of put it, uh, wrap it up there. And, and Kelsey, if, if you're paying attention, if, if, uh, for those of the watching the video, uh, I think I saw Finley come into the office. Is that, is that who that was? <laughs> that, snuck in. Yeah. Was, like, yep, that was the door opening. Oh, that's it's, awesome. It's so Finley's her, her big <laughs> lovable Madonna. dog who's, who's oh, okay. probably d doing a poor job of hiding, but I can still, but it's, 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 uh, yeah, he's down here. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Hilarious. Um, so, so the, 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 uh, gig one is the product or one gig or which gigabit one, gigabit yeah. one. 
think of it. G1. We call it, we call it G1. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. and G1's yeah. been shipping, obviously. G1 WTF. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. exactly. We, should, we, could, we should rename it, obviously. Uh, yeah. So I've thought about it. By the way, okay, I'll, I'll say one more thing. We did go reserve WTF on the NASDAQ, and that's not a joke. We actually have it in case we want to use it. But it might be just a little too irreverent, but anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, it's memorable. You got to, yeah. Yeah, it, it's memorable. It's like you would. <laughs> We're open for votes if there's any votes. Yeah, yeah you get, um, but uh, uh, so the product's been out, you know, a couple of quarters now, but what, uh, uh, where, where is it being uh, distributed? Or do you have service provider partners in the U.S. yet? Or are you still, you know, sort of in the, in the announcement phase of, of that? So we've announced, you know, we uh, if, on our website, you can see a bunch of press releases with customers like Resound, like Whisper, mm-hmm. um, you know, some many of the larger Wisps are, are already using us. But also you've seen in some of our press releases, you know, a, a larger, you know, larger uh, partners like MTN, who's deploying us in production right now, uh, BT, which is pretty far along with us right now, Liberty, pretty far along with us. And there's a bunch of other good sized companies that we haven't yet named that are uh, that are really in, deeply engaged with us right now. Obviously, to test this stuff, if you're going to roll it out in a big way, you know you're going to take some time. Whether you're going to do side by side testing with other technologies, you're going to do all that stuff. So we're, we've been uh, you know working very you know closely with a bunch of these guys. The WIS community, we have a really long list of already people already deploying though and mm-hmm. going really fast with the product. Yeah, great. Well, um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll check in, uh, in in a little while, and and especially you know I'm, I'm curious to hear too you know sort of where what the upside limits of the technology are like where, where it goes next. Um, so maybe we could talk about that at a future date and, uh, uh, and, uh, boy, it's just, it's, it's great to have you on, uh, Basil Alwan. Thanks so much for, for taking the time. And, uh, uh, and, and does anything change there at Toronto with, when you guys hit, uh, became a, you know, a billion dollar valuation or you, you know, reached unicorn status. Did you, did, did you all, uh, do you get, you know, like better coffee at that point or what happens? If you run a startup, one thing you never skip on is the coffee. I mean, right. I, I, that, you, you, that, from the start, you got to have good coffee and snacks and all that stuff. No, no, really what, what happens is kind of interesting, right? It's, it's a moment of celebration to a in, in degree because it's been a long run, run for some people, but a lot of time and effort in this really remarkable product. But at the same time, uh, you, you do when at that moment you're bringing out some new investors with big expectations. Right. So you shift into a dip, you know the company shifts also into a growth mode, which is really uh, uh, always interesting for startups to go through that process because you know startup cultures that have to make that switch as we did in Tematra to kind of a scale growth is it's always a, an interesting journey. Yeah. So we're on that journey now, which is fun, and and, and there's a lot of excitement here. I think is a lot of good energy. Uh, it's it's neat. Great. Well, good luck on that journey, yeah. and we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks so much. Still great to see you, Kelsey. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, and Finley. See you, see you later, Finley. <laughs> yeah, Finley. I forgot to say Finley. I'm embarrassed. He said WTF. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>